Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in through Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Addict, Anchor.fm. And if you're watching on YouTube, please don't forget to click that subscribe button and that bell for continued notifications. Guys, whew, it's been a long time. Uh, it's been like four weeks, I think, was the last video, or longer than that, almost a month, I think. Um, and traveling for Thanksgiving, school, got sick a couple days ago. That that kept me out. Um uh, the Lord sustained uh, yesterday, even though I was sick, but I, uh, I was sustained by God to, uh, to preach his word yesterday, and, um, and that sickness didn't get me too down. I think it was just, I don't know if it was a bug or maybe the flu, I don't know. But, um, you know, Friday night rolls around, Saturday night rolls around, um, and if you're a pastor and you're not feeling too well, uh, you know that you really don't have a choice. Uh, you you, uh, you go to the people of God on Sunday and um, you pray that the Lord will provide for your health. And, um, and he does. Uh, there's been a couple of times where that's happened and I've had to preach the next day and it uh, it's, it's, can be brutal, but, uh, but God gets you through it as he, as he did with me yesterday. So I'm very thankful to him for that. Um, so you know, we've got uh, a couple of controversies. The, the worthwhile controversies are the ones related to the resourcement move, move, movement. Lips are so dry that I, I couldn't, I can't talk. Um, the controversies related to the resourcement movement are probably the most worthwhile controversies because they deal with things like uh, classical theology, uh, classical theism, uh, a, a classical hermeneutics. And, um, and so there are tons of controversies all the time, political ones, uh, and, and, um, economic ones and all sorts of different kinds of controversies that go on. But, but some of the most worthwhile ones are happening in relation to, uh, resourcement. And, um, and as you all know, uh, if you've been following my channel or several other channels, uh, other related channels for the, the past um, year or more, uh, there has been massive controversy regarding Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, not only the doctrine of simplicity, impassibility, uh, even immutability, um, but, uh, but also now uh, the doctrine of the Trinity proper, uh, eternal generation, inseparable operations, and things of that nature have fallen under the gun of modern theologians. They don't, they don't think they're modern. They are proper modernists. Uh, when you approach history with a hermeneutic of suspicion and uh, you begin going to town on the scriptures and on the creeds and confessions using modern hermeneutical assumptions and principles, well... Uh, that's a modernist, and it gets you to conclusions that are not, um, uh, let's say, desirable. Uh, maybe not within the stream of orthodoxy, even. Uh, and uh, that's a danger. Uh, of course, I'm concerned about it because uh, these are things that w either have affected or will affect my people at my church, um, and I know they will affect other people at other churches that I care about. And so uh, these issues uh, draw tend to draw a lot of passion out of me, and um, I, I don't think you can you can get more important or more foundational than the, than the doctrine of God, uh, or um, or Christology for that matter. 
uh, Christology dealing precisely with the person of the Son uh, and his assumption of the fullness of a human nature to himself. Um, the, the doctrine of the hypostatic union is is foundational to the gospel. Um, and without the doctrine of the hypostatic union, there are serious problems with the gospel itself, our ideas of union with Christ. Uh, if Christ didn't take on all human humanity or all human nature, the entirety of a human nature, then, then how can he atone for the entirety of our human nature, and so on. So you, you get the relationship, at least, between, you know, something like the human nature of Christ and 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 the redemptive uh, history of God's people. Um, and then, of course, closely related to that would be the resurrection. And typically, the resurrection becomes controversial. Man, I'm telling you, I cannot talk today becomes controversial in terms of our resurrection in the future. So you'll have people who will deny a future bodily resurrection. Um, and they'll do so, I think they'll do so without really thinking about most of the time Christ's resurrection. We have to remember that the resurrection has already taken place, not generally. That's why it's called the general res resurrection to which we look. It's not taken place generally, but it's taken place in a person, and that is the person of Christ. Now, his resurrection is our resurrection. That is to say that our resurrection, when it occurs, will follow his resurrection. Um, now, recently, there is uh, a popular teacher. He gained traction through the promotion of theonomy. Of course, a lot of teachers have gained traction through the promotion of theonomy, especially uh, lately because of politics, and politics tends to draw, draw people's interests, especially American politics. So people tend to flock to these kinds of people uh, whenever, you know, politics don't look so good for us. And right now they don't. So um, theonomists get popular and and so on. So Demar got popular. Gary Demar got popular through the through theonomy and postmillennial eschatology, which the two are very well related together. And I think Demar actually played a, a big part in relating postmillennialism uh, to uh, to theonomy, and so did others like Gary North and Rush Dooney and so on. But Demar has been a major player in that. Uh, recently, uh, some, some fellow post-millennial theonomist, um, types, and I'm not sure if Ken Gentry is theonomist or not, but I know he's post-millennial, uh, have questioned Gary DeMar's, uh, orthodoxy or his commitment to orthodoxy, at least, because DeMar is, is, ref is falling silent when men like Ken Gentry, and others have asked him questions about the bodily resurrection. There has been ambiguity and obfuscation in relation to DeMar's articulation of the resurrection. 
and I have two examples here from the Burroughs of Berea podcast, episode 77. This takes place at, at uh, 1 hour, 29 minutes, 31 seconds, and then 1 hour, 30 minutes, and 10 seconds. You might as well just go to like 1 hour, 25 minutes there and listen onward, or just listen to the whole thing if you want to get the whole deal. Um, uh, but I, I, I've posted these... I posted these uh, these statements in different places, and I've received similar testimony from other people that have said, you know, he's going in the wrong direction. Uh, this really isn't good. You cannot square this with historical orthodoxy. Uh, and what it seems what it seems to indicate is that Demar is skirting uh, is skirting uh, the bodily resurrection. He doesn't want to outrightly confess it. He doesn't want to ask questions or answer questions related to it. And so um, two of the things that he says, the first one, he says this, and again, this is on the Burroughs of Berea podcast. He says, I believe that when you die, they, they asked him the question. They said, what happens, Gary, when you die? And he says, I believe that when you die, you go to be with the Lord and you get a new body at that time, a spiritual body. Okay, so that's the first thing that he said. The second thing that he said is uh, just a minute or so later, he says the bodily resurrection, uh, or he's speaking in relation to the bodily resurrection. He says it doesn't make any sense with 1 Thessalonians 4 because you have to assume that the dead there, the word dead there, refer to dead bodies rather than the dead or the dead people. And uh, again, that's that's Gary DeMar. So it seems to be the case that he is avoiding the notion of the reception of these self-same bodies at the resurrection of the dead, which is an orthodox tenet of the Christian religion. So if you would just uh, bear with me for a moment, um, I would like to do this. I didn't have it pulled up when I should have, but I'll have it pulled up now. Let's see. Um. In the Nicene Creed, toward the end of it, um, it says, We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. And of course, what Damar would want to say is, well, you don't see any mention of a body there. It just says resurrection of the dead. We confess the resurrection of the dead. Um, but but one thing that uh, one thing that I would like to point out is that these are men writing in the uh, 4th century, and um, 325 A.D. is uh, when the Council of Nicaea took place. And they are saying in this creed that we look forward, in the church at that time, look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. So for them, the resurrection wasn't past. It wasn't something that happened at their conversion. It was yet something that they looked forward to, um, and uh, and so it was it was not something that that had already passed. Now, uh, Demar, somebody like Demar could probably say, well, uh, you know, uh, that resurrection happens as soon as you die. It it happens as soon as you die. You receive a spiritual body. That's the resurrection, and you go home to be with the Lord at that time. Um, and of course, that's just not what the Nicene fathers meant, uh, when they wrote what they wrote. Uh, let me do this. I'll bring up Augustine's words 
of course, Augustine is doing theology within the vein of uh, the Nicene tradition, uh, and he's only about 100 years removed, a little over 100 years removed from it. And um, and he says this. He's talking about... Uh, now, he's talking about the spiritual body mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15, because what some might want to say is that, well, we don't get these self-same bodies back. We get spiritual bodies back. Uh, and th th that's a different body. But listen to what Augustine has to say. He says, Whatever, therefore, has been taken from the body, either during life or death, shall be restored to it, and in conjunction with what has remained in the grave, shall rise again, transformed from the oldness of the animal body into the newness of the spiritual body and clothed in incorruption and immortality. He means, by animal body, he means a corruptible body. And he says, but even though the body has been all quite ground to powder by some severe accident, he's talking about the worst case scenario, your body is beyond repair by any human imagination or according to any human terms. The body has been ground to powder by some severe accident or by the ruthlessness of enemies. And though it has been so diligently scattered to the winds or into the water that there is no trace of it left, yet it shall not be beyond the omnipotence of the creator. No, not a hair of its head shall perish. In other words, he's saying, no matter how destroyed your body becomes, the Lord is going to raise it no matter what. He is powerful enough to do so. And then he says this, the flesh shall then be spiritual. Now, here's the key qualifier. And subject to the spirit, but still flesh, not spirit as the spirit itself, when subject to the flesh was fleshly, but still spirit and not flesh. Okay. So, and what he's getting at here is that sometimes Paul will, will, you know, say that we have carnal passions and, and he's talking about our souls. He's really talking about our souls. We're, we're fleshly, you know, when he uses that kind of language, he's not, he's not talking about the material body as if it in and of itself is evil. Um, but he's saying that we as people in mind and body are fleshly, right? We're carnal is what he would say. And Augustine says, no more than the soul is actual flesh, when Paul uses that kind of language, uh, no more than the soul is actual flesh, when Paul uses that kind of language, is the body actual spirit, when Paul uses that kind of language. In other words, what he's saying is, just because Paul says our soul is fleshly, doesn't mean the soul is flesh. Just because Paul says that our body is spiritual, doesn't mean that our body is a spirit, all right? It's an adjective describing the state of the body, the glorified uh, and exalted state of the body, uh, and uh, a body that is free from sin uh, or the effects thereof. Now, let's do this. I, I would like to turn to the... It's my understanding that Damar is a member of a PCA church, which doesn't say a lot these days. Um, but I, I think what would be good is if I still went ahead and, and turned to the Westminster Confession of Faith... Because after all, if uh, DeMar is a committed Presbyterian, then he will confess the Westminster Confession. And uh, let's see, where is this? The Westminster Confession says this. Chapter 32 of the state of men after death and of the resurrection of the dead. Article 2 says this. At the last day, such as are found alive shall not die but be changed, and all the dead shall be raised up with the self-same bodies and none other. 
although with different qualities, it says, which shall be united again to their souls forever. The Second London Baptist Confession of Faith says the same thing. Chapter 31, Article 2, At the last days, such of the saints as are found alive shall not sleep, but be changed, and all the dead shall be raised up with the selfsame bodies and none other, although with different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever. So pretty much verbatim to what the Westminster uh, what the Westminster Confession says. Now, if you, if you would, just turn to 1 Corinthians 15 with me. And uh, you'll, you'll see this very interesting discussion uh, in the Apostle Paul's writing here. And what he says, beginning in verse 40, is this. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, notice that what Paul, there's a continuity here. There's a sameness here, and it's in the word it. All right, so what what is the it? What is sown in weakness and raised in power? Well, I would submit to you that it's the body, this body, sown in weakness, raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. It, this body, is raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. The spiritual body is the same thing as the natural body, just with different qualities, as the Westminster and the Second London Confession state. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man, the last Adam, became a life-giving spirit. Now, if you want to maintain that the Lord Jesus Christ had a physical, corporeal body like this one, then you cannot take verse 45 as meaning that he was just a spiritualized, disembodied kind of thing. No, he was corporeal. Uh, he had a body, it was material, uh, and it was the same body that he went into the tomb with, and it was the same body that he came out of the tomb with, all right? Same body went in and went and went out also. And so, uh, and okay, so he goes on in verse 46, Paul, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Um, and then later, verse 50, and this is actually the key point of 1 Corinthians 15. So that you don't get tied up in the spiritual body, natural body kind of thing. Uh, verses 50 to really uh, 54. Four, uh, clear it up. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now verse 53 is key. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. 
what Paul's saying here is not that we're changing, we're in, we're trading the corruptible in for something totally different substantially. No, he's saying that this corruptible body, it must put on something. It must put on incorruption. It, it must add something to itself. Um, it must be clothed with some other quality. Uh, and, and that quality is the glory of Christ. And this more, he says, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Now, if there's any question as to what Paul means there, just understand that Paul is doing theology in light of the Old Testament. He's not contradicting it. Uh, he understands, of course, Christ's body, bodily resurrection. Uh, he is not, you know, saying anything there that would contradict that. But let's go all the way back to Job, because Job tells us something very important. Um, back in Job 19, verses 26 to 27, in verse, nine, or in verse 26, he says, And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh, basar, which means body, flesh, could be uh, meat, uh, you get the idea, fleshly body, that in my flesh, in my body, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So, um, what's important for us to affirm as Christians is uh, the bodily resurrection uh, and it's important for us to affirm not that we're getting different bodies from these altogether, but that we are receiving these bodies back, albeit they will be glorified. Um, God didn't make a mistake putting me in this body, right? Uh, he didn't make a mistake putting my wife in her body or my kids in their bodies. Uh, he didn't make a mistake, you know, uh, um, uniting our souls with these bodies. And so whenever uh, we die, we will be absent from the body, present with the Lord. That is our, our, our soul, our mind, intellect will be present with the Lord and our bodies will decay and uh, they will decay until the resurrection. And then at the resurrection, according to the omnipotence of God, these bodies will be reassembled. They will be um, united back with our souls, and we will have the self-same bodies, as the as the confession says. Um, anyway, I hope that's helpful. I'm still a little under the weather, so uh, getting tongue-tied and got dry mouth and all sorts of stuff. So apologize if the uh, production wasn't wasn't as clear or sharp as it usually is. Um, but anyway, thought I would get something out. Uh, I think this is helpful. This is a, a, an issue that concerns me. Of course, these things seem to run in cycles. You, you get those who question the doctrine of the Trinity and they'll start questioning Christology and then things like this, you know, it just, when, when, when heterodoxy begins at the most foundational level, the doctrine of God, it'll just kind of start to progress, right? And, um, and so we need to be careful. We need to hold doctrine above all. And, um, and we need to, we need to, uh, we need to cherish the truth that has been delivered to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit into the scriptures, 
and we need to rely on and lean on our brethren as they have gone before us and as they currently encircle us within our own local churches. Um, and we need to remain accountable to that which we confess and believe. And um, I truly believe that one of the issues uh, with today's uh, downgrade is a lack of confessional commitment uh, and confessional concern. And so we need to get back to that. It's my hope that we will. Anyway, I hope this video has blessed you guys. God bless. See you soon.